welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Happy Thanksgiving. Has anybody had their Thanksgiving dinner yet? Glenn? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a great time of the year. It's a great natural reminder to be thankful for all that God is doing in you and through you, through your family, through your friends, through your relationships. Don't just go through Thanksgiving and be thankful for uh, pumpkin pie or turkey or ham, but be thankful. You can be thankful for those things. It's good to be thankful for those things, but be thankful for all that God is doing. Amen? Amen. Before we jump into our message tonight, uh, we can't pass our baskets like we used to in the good old days, but we still have our tithes and offerings, our debit and credit machine at the back if you need to give your tithes and offerings. We uh, love to give to the Lord. We are a church that loves to give. Um, we believe that, that God loved us so much that he gave, and so we in turn believe in giving back to God. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And our heart and our treasure is, is the body and the church of Jesus Christ and people who need to know Jesus. And so we show that by giving back to him so that he can continue to work and do all that he wants to do for our great Fraser Valley and city of Abbotsford and beyond. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together real quick. Father, we thank you once again for tonight. God, we pray that you have your way in this place tonight. Open our ears, open our eyes, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. Father, put your words on my tongue tonight. Let people receive your spirit. Let them receive your words. And it's not the words of a man tonight, but it is the voice of God bringing healing, life, transformation. Father, do what only you can do tonight in this place. We give you all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're continuing our message, continuing our series called Like Jesus. We're talking about being like Jesus like we have for the last three months. And we're going to keep talking about being like Jesus for a while because we need to be more like Jesus, don't we? Has anybody here made it to Jesus status in their life? Nope, great. We need to keep talking about being like Jesus then. So we're going to keep talking about being like Jesus. And our foundation scripture for this series is 1 John 2, verse 6. It says, they, those who say they live in God. Yeah! Yeah! Those who say they live in God should live their lives like Jesus did. Uh, and you know what? As, as we are making our way through this series, I am just seeing the Spirit of God uh, moving and directing us to talk about things that he wants us to talk about. I said this in the first service about halfway through. I believe that God is wanting to do something um, in our lives, but in our church family as well, so that we can go and touch our city and be who God needs us and wants us to be to this, to Abbotsford, to Chilliwack, to the Fraser Valley, to Mission, to Surrey, to Langley, to Delta, all those places out to Vancouver. I believe that God is wanting to speak to us and transform us into his image. 
Um, and so that, that is going to take on our part being more and more like Jesus and less and less like ourselves, right? Glenn's pretty awesome, but what, what people need is more of the Jesus inside of Glenn than just the Glenn himself. Glenn can do amazing things, Glenn can be an amazing person, and he can create amazing things, much better than anything I could ever create. But beyond all the amazing things that Glenn could do, People need the Jesus inside of Glenn. And so we're talking about being like Jesus. We're going to continue. We're going we're gonna to dovetail off of our message we talked about last week, surrendering, living a life of surrender. And we talked about laying things down in our life, surrendering to God. Uh, and when we begin to surrender to God, when you begin to expose your heart to God and say, I surrender to you, I lay things down in my life at your feet, and I say, your kingdom come and your will be done. As we do that, as we expose our hearts, then what happens is, is God begins to look into our hearts, God begins to look in our lives, and begins to talk to us about things in our lives that maybe shouldn't be there. And he begins to bring us to a place of repentance. Surrender and repentance go hand in hand. So tonight we're going to talk about repentance. Now Jesus, uh, we can't look at a time in Jesus' life when Jesus had to go and repent because the Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 15, that Jesus, he calls him our great high priest who lived a life just like us, was tempted and tested in everything we were, but was without sin. So we can't look and find a story where Jesus had to go back and repent to somebody. But what we can look is what Jesus talked about often living a life where we need to repent. So go with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, and here's where we're going to start at tonight. This was a message of Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 17, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. From then on, Jesus began to preach, comma, and then in my Bible, the words are read, meaning this is what Jesus Said He said, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The Passion Translation says, keep turning away from your sins and come back to God, for heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. Keep turning away from your sins and come back to God. For heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible. I don't know about you guys, but that is some great news for me. Heaven's kingdom realm is now accessible to you and to I through the power of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. A lot of Christians, a lot of believers have two preconceived ideas. Um, number one, most people, if you ask them what repenting means, they would tell you it means to say you're sorry, by and large. Repenting is saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And a lot of other believers, too, think that you just really need to repent one time, and then you can go on merrily through your life. But the reality is, as you continue to walk through your journey and your life with Jesus Christ, he will begin to point things out to you continually as you walk, along with him, things in your life that you need to make adjustments and changes to, to be molded and shaped more in his image. We're talking about being like Jesus. 
And that takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of surrender, and it takes a lot of repentance on our heart. Sometimes there are things in our hearts and in our lives that we are not even aware that they are there. We just go blindly through life until we continue, like, until we begin to surrender things to God and we lay them down and Jesus says to us, oh, I've been waiting for you to surrender that. Now that you've surrendered that part and you've opened that part of your heart up to me, I want to talk to you about something else. I want to talk to you about that offense that you've been let in your heart for the last year and a half. I want to talk to you about that hurt that you've allowed to stay in there and just make a room and make itself all cozy and comfy in your heart. I want to talk to you about that anger that you've allowed to boil inside of you for the last 30 years of your life. Those frustrations, those feelings, those emotions. And as we surrender, Jesus will bring us to a place of, I want to talk to you about this. Tonight we're going to talk about what is repentance. We're going to look at it. We're going to look at an example of what repentance looks like. And we're going to talk about as well why we need to repent. What the importance of repenting in mine and yours life is. So Matthew chapter 4, we looked at it. It says, Jesus began to preach. John the Baptist had just been arrested and thrown in jail. John was Jesus' cousin. He's thrown in jail. And from that time on, the Bible says that Jesus began to go around preaching, Repent of your sins. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Kingdom of heaven is near is what the New Living Translation says. So I said that a lot of people, a lot of believers would think that the word repent means just to say you're sorry. But it's so much more than just saying you're sorry. And that's what we're going to look at for a moment. So the word repent here in the Greek is actually the Greek word metaneo. And it means this. It is a decision you, you make. So it comes from two words, meta and neo. Meta means after, and neo means to think about. So the idea is something you think about after the fact. So you've done something, and then you think about it after the fact. And then the, well, the idea is, the picture here is, is that after you've done something and after you've thought about it, you form a decision in your mind about that. And then that decision then leads to a change of mind. And then that change of mind that you have moves you into a place where you have a change of purpose and a change of your actions in your life. So repent doesn't just mean saying you're sorry. Repent means that you think about something and have a change of mind in it. And that change of mind doesn't just say, I've changed my mind about my beliefs. I've changed my mind about this, and that is that. It doesn't stop there. You change your mind, and that change of mind that you have moves you to basically a change of life. It changes the purpose of your life and it changes the actions of your life because you have made a decision inside of you. So that's what repenting is. Repenting isn't just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's apologizing or that's saying I'm sorry for something. Repenting is, is you've thought about it and you've come to a decision, you've come to a conclusion. That conclusion has led to a change of mind and that change of mind leads you to a change of life. Jesus goes on here and he says, repent. And I like how it says in the New Living Translation, it says, repent of your sins. The New King James just says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But the New Living Translation says, repent of your sins. And the word sins is the Greek word uh, hamartia. And what that word actually literally means is means missing the mark. 
But it doesn't just stop at missing the mark. It also means a failure or an offense. It means taking the wrong course or a wrongdoing or guilt. Jesus said, repent of, repent of a failure or an offense or taking the wrong road in your life or wrongdoing or guilt or repent for missing the mark. So what Jesus is saying here is have a change of mind that results in a change of life about you walking through life on the wrong course, about you missing the mark, about your wrongdoings, about the things that cause you guilt and shame. Have a change of life about that. Don't just apologize for it, but change your life. Change your mind about the way you think about it. Change your mind about the way you feel about it. Don't just change it to something else. Change it to what God says. He says here, repent of your sins and turn to God. Turn to God. And the word sin meant that you're walking on the wrong pathway. That wrong pathway could be something as simple as you walking your own pathway. You're walking down your own course of life. You've got your own plans and your own purposes, which is why we were talking about last week about surrendering your life to him. And as you surrender your life to him, he begins to say, I'm so glad you've done that. I want to talk to you about something else right now. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Change your mind that will change your life about the course you're walking on that's wrong and turn around and walk back this way so that your life, your plans, your purposes, your actions aren't off by yourself doing your own thing, but they are now aligned with God for your life so that your thoughts and your actions and your purposes actually start to become his plans and his purposes and his thoughts and his desires. Your emotions and your feelings become his emotions and his desires. What he says you should talk like. What he says you should act like. What he says you should think like. This is what repenting really looks like. This is what repenting really is. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of life. That change of life is you leaving your own way of doing things and turning to God. Go with me to the book of Luke, and I want to show you something. Luke chapter 3. We'll talk about what is repentance right now. Simply, repentance is changing your mind about the way you thought you should do things that leads to a change of your life that results in you turning away from your own way to God. Luke chapter 3 is actually John the Baptist talking. Jesus' cousin. And in verse number 8, John makes this statement. He says, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Your actions, we've all heard people say actions speak louder than words. And it's true. 
John here says, prove by the way that you live that you really have repented. If you say you've repented, if you say that you've had a change of mind, because we're talking about what repentance is, and the Bible says real repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of life, basically. And so here John says, prove by the way you live that you really have repented. Your actions, Jacob, will show if you really do believe what you say you believe. Reese, the way you live your life, the things you do, the places you go, all those things, your actions prove what's happening inside of you. Prove if you really, truly have repented. I believe, like I said at the beginning, that God is wanting to do something great in Abbotsford. We've been talking about being like Jesus for about three months now. And I believe it's because the Spirit of God is wanting to do something. But to really do what he wants to do, we've got to be at a place in our lives, individually and corporately, so that he can work the way that he wants to work. So that we can be that city on a hill. So that we can be that light in the dark place. So that we can be the salt in the earth. Our lives, everywhere we go, in every conversation that we have, in the thoughts that are rolling around in your head, the emotions that you allow to stay in your heart, all those places need to begin to line up with Jesus. In fact, it's a great thing to do every once in a while is a heart check. And ask yourself, do these emotions line up with Jesus? Is what I'm talking about right now, would I be talking about this if Jesus was standing right beside me? Would I allow these thoughts to be running through my head if Jesus was standing right in front of me right now? Would I allow these feelings to stay in place if Jesus was standing here with his hand on my shoulder and we were talking together. Right, sorry, no touching. <laughs> sorry, guys, I'm human. <laughs> Praise Jesus. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. <laughs> Prove by the way you live your life that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Let's look at a picture of what real repentance in action looks like. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 19. This is the great story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. I love this guy. I love how the Bible points out that he was so small that he had to climb a tree to see Jesus. Luke chapter 19 verse 1. This tiny little guy. <laughs> Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town and there was a man there named Zacchaeus and he was the chief tax collector now you need to remember about this 
That's not just in there telling you what Zacchaeus' job was. This is telling you something about Zacchaeus. Yes, Zacchaeus' job was he was a tax collector, which people didn't like because he took their money. Nobody likes a tax man. Most of us don't like to talk about Revenue Canada. We don't want to talk to Revenue Canada. We try and stay way far away from Revenue Canada. But Zacchaeus here was a chief tax collector. It meant that he was like the boss of the tax collectors. And the thing about Zacchaeus was, was that he was actually a Jew, and he would go tax his fellow Jews for the Roman government and take that money from them and go back to the Romans and give it. And so the Bible tells us that he was the boss of all the other tax people. He was a Jew who had betrayed his own people and was taking money from them, giving it to the Romans, and not only giving it to the Romans, but taking more than he was supposed to and keep it for himself. This guy was not awesome. You did not want to see Zacchaeus at your door. Let's just say it that way. Uh, it says... He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. It's not a great picture. Poor little Zacchaeus at the back of the crowd, like a little child. I can't see. I can't see. What's going on? Hey, guys. What's going on? Let's go. So what does he do? Verse 4, he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. That's great. Yep, he does. Looks up in the tree and he calls him by name. and He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Verse 6, Zacchaeus quickly climbs down took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. People were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. I imagine they were actually probably jealous that Jesus had gone to Zacchaeus' house instead of coming to their house because they weren't certainly nearly as bad as, as notorious Zacchaeus. They didn't steal from people. They didn't cheat people. They didn't betray their own kind. They listened to Jesus. They were taller than Zacchaeus. They had all these reasons why Jesus should come to their house instead of Zacchaeus' house. But in verse 8, it starts off in the New Living Translation with this great word. And the word is, meanwhile. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, while everybody is outside fussing about who Jesus is spending his time with, how their feelings are hurt that Jesus isn't at their house, how they're upset that Jesus is spending time with a notorious sinner, a thief who steals from them and has betrayed them. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he says, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Remember John said, prove by the way you live your life that you have repented and turned from your sins. That's what this looks like right here and right now. Jesus comes along in verse 9 after Zacchaeus has just said that I'll give half my money to the poor and if I've stolen from anybody, I'm going to pay him back four times as much. Then Jesus says, salvation has come to this home today. This is what repentance in action, in practicality, in real life looks like. It's messy. It's confusing. People don't understand why, why Jesus is hanging out with this person. And Zacchaeus is inside repenting. 
He's had a mind change that resulted in a life change. And here he stands before Jesus and says, if I've done this, I'm going I'm to make it right. I'm going to give four times as many, much money to the people I cheated. I'm going to give half my money to the poor. And Jesus responds and says, salvation has come to this home today. Can we just talk about that word salvation for a second? It is the Greek word soteria, soteria. And it means this. It means rescue or safety or deliver, or health, or save. Don't we all need that? Isn't that what we needed when we gave our life to Jesus? We need a place of safety. We need a place of rescue. We need a place of deliverance. We need health in our life. We need to be saved. Jesus said salvation came to this home today when Zacchaeus repented, when Zacchaeus changed and transformed his thoughts, which led to his transformed life. He's standing before Jesus in his own house saying, basically, I repent of this. I'm changing my life. I'm changing my ways. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this home today. This is what salvation is. This is what salvation looks like. Why do we need to repent? Isaiah 59 verse 2. The first part of the verse says this. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Why do we need to print, repent? Repent. <laughs> Why do we need to repent? Because sin causes separation from God. Because when we allow sin in our life, it separates us. It puts a wall there. It puts a divider there. It puts a barrier there. It puts a chasm there between us and God. And it's our sins that we've allowed in our lives. It's our sins that we've allowed to stay in our lives. It's our sins that we've allowed to build a home in our lives. It's our emotions that don't line up to the word of God. It's our anger. It's our hatred. It's our offenses. It's our feelings. It's our thoughts. It's all those things that don't line up to the word of God that we we allow to stay inside of us that cause separation from him. And I'll tell you this, this is just an assumption, but I don't think any of us truly at our heart of hearts wants to be separated from God. So we probably need to do more repenting more often than we think. And as we begin to surrender, like we talked about last week, God begins to root around in our hearts and our lives and say, what about this? What's this over here? How long are we keeping this inside of us? How long are we thinking about this? How long are we going to let this stay? I want to talk to you about this. Because I have more for you. I love you so much. I don't want you to stay here. I want you to repent, change your mind about those things and begin to walk deeper in your relationship with me. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 is the second thing that we're going to talk about why we need to repent. We're going to finish off here. Acts 3.19 
This is where Peter and John have just prayed for the guy who was lame outside the temple. The guy was begging. And Peter and John said, we don't have any money to give you, but what we do have, uh, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the guy jumps up and he's healed. And he can finally walk. He's been lame since he was a baby. And this guy jumps up. The Bible says he's leaping and dancing and praising God and jumping around. And some people are upset about it. Some people are crazy excited about it. And in verse number 19, Peter takes his opportunity. He's been talking to the people that are there. And in verse 19, Peter says this. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. So that your sins may be blotted out so that your sins may be forgiven. The Bible says that God doesn't remember your sins when you go to him and ask for forgiveness. They're as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. They're blotted out. It says, so that your sins may be wiped away. And then he says in verse 20, then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And that word refreshment, the picture of this word, if you look it up in the Greek, the idea behind this word is that your body has been overexerted, overexhausted, worn out, overheating. You know, like when your car overheats and it pulls over to the side of the road and it's got steam and smoke coming out and it can't go no more and you got to... You got to like, you're the guy on the side of the road with the hood up and smoke and everybody's like, oh, look at that poor guy. The idea is, is your body is like that. Just, just overheating, steam's coming out of you. You can't go no more. You can't do no more. You just pulled over on the side of the road. And that word, the refreshment is this. It is a cool breeze that begins to wash over you that brings restoration and brings healing, and it's a cool breeze that cools down your overheated, overexhausted, overexerted, overworked body. Repent of your sins because they bring separation between you and God. They bring distance between you and God. And when you repent of your sins, the Bible says they're wiped away, they're gone. And as you repent of those sins, times of refreshment come. Times of refreshing come in his presence. I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of times in my life where I can look back and I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm, I'm the car on the side of the road with steam coming out. And I've realized in those moments that there were things in my life that I needed to repent of, that I needed to remove. Listen, you know, sometimes, sometimes that word sin, it's not always evil, wicked, horrible things. That word sin means to miss the mark, to, rock, to walk the wrong course. So sometimes there's things in your life where you've just, you've just walked off the course you were supposed to be on. You're supposed to be walking this way, but somehow you just ended up over here. And you're doing things in your own energy, your own strength, your own power, your own authority. And you get tired and you get wore out and you get exhausted. 
And so God says, hey, I, I tried to get you over here, but you ended up over here for some reason. What you really need to do is you need to repent. You need to change your mind about why you're over there, what you're doing and why you're doing it, and get back over here. And as you do, as you get back on the right course, as you get back on the right path, when you quit missing the mark and come back over here, then those times of refreshing come. Stand up with me. I want to take a minute. Hmm? Yeah, would you please? I want to take a minute. And I just want you guys to still worship God like we did in the first service. Is that okay? And as we worship the Lord, I want you to allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. And maybe there's some things that he's trying to point out to you in your life. Maybe there's some areas where you've gotten off course, where you're walking on the wrong course, where you're missing the mark, where you failed in some areas. And the Spirit of God is wanting to point those things out to you so that you begin to have a change of mind that results in a change of life and results in a turning back to him so that he can bring that refreshing, that cooling down, that replenishing that we need. So let's take a minute or two and quiet ourselves in his presence. And I want each and every one of us to listen to his voice. And if he begins to point some things out to you, I encourage you to respond to him and say, okay, yeah, oh, man, I never thought of it that way. Gosh, no, I always thought this was okay. Oh, I always thought this was my, this is what I thought about it, but now that you're telling me, I can see your point of view. I can see your thought about this. And as he does that, I encourage you to repent of those things and to get back in alignment with him so that we can continue on in the race and the journey that he has for each and every one of us. So let's take a minute. Let's just worship God together. Listen for his voice. Jesus, we're looking. 
Father, I pray and I ask for each and every one of us here in this place that as we sing those words that we surrender all, that you begin to show us and point things out to us that maybe we've allowed to stay in our hearts and in our lives, that we've allowed to make a home that have caused separation between us and you. God, my prayer is, is that you point those things out to us. And that you work on our hearts and in our lives to begin to align our lives with your plans and your purposes. Father, we surrender all to you. We truly do say above everything else that we desire for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. Work in our hearts and do a new thing inside of us, Father. Fan that flame maybe has burnt out or is dwindling down and restore our love for you back to what it once was. God, I ask that as we go through this week that you continue 
to remind us of your love for us, of your passion towards us, of your love for others everywhere that we go, every conversation that we have, that you are part of it. We repent of the sins that we've allowed to stay in our lives. We surrender to you, Father. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in us and through us for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you as we leave this place and as you go on with your Thanksgiving weekend and you go back to your whatever it is you go back to and go do whatever it is you go and do, that what the Lord is speaking to us that you don't forget about, that you don't take this place and you leave it and say, well, that was nice, but I've got to go buy carrots now, or I've got to go vacuum the house, or I've got to go do this or that. That you take what the Spirit of God is saying. And like the Bible so often talks about, that you ponder these things, that you mull them over, that you contemplate them, and that you continually allow the Spirit of God to keep speaking to you so that we're formed and shaped and molded more into His likeness. Because, my friends, we can never, ever forget that there's people lost and dying all around us that need the amazing gift that each and every one of us has been given. May that ever be in your hearts and minds. We love you all. Praying for you. Excited about what God is doing and continuing to do. Keep pushing into all he has. And enjoy your turkey or ham this weekend roast beef. We need a prayer meeting right now to pray about that. We'll see you all next week. Have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you were drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.